You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to Johnny and the Baptists. That's Johnny Donahoe and Paddy Jervers. And in fact, I'm assuming it's Jervers. I never start to ask him and I've never heard him pronounce it. It could be Gervers, but I think that's unlikely. And Johnny and Paddy are collectively Johnny and the Baptists, an absolutely incredible musical double act, very political, very, very funny. Uh, And as you'll hear, I know some people are a bit turned off by the idea of musical acts. So are they. And uh, and as you'll hear very early on in this episode, um, they talk about how they insist that their music, that their songs all work as songs in their own right. They're actually well-written, well-sung, properly made, like rigorously made songs rather than just excuses for jokes set to music. So I'm a huge fan of these guys. I saw their show Eat the Rich at Edinburgh, just gone, and um, it really genuinely blew me away. It had a, a, it was very funny throughout. It had a proper political point, and as you'll hear, it also suggested a solution to a very specific problem. Um, I should point out, early doors, that solution is not simply eating the rich. So uh, lots and lots to enjoy here. Uh, thank you to Aberyst with Arts Centre and and in particular, the lovely Oriel, who gave us space to record uh, whilst working at that absolutely wonderful venue. What a, what a beautiful venue. Not done that one before. Um, and thanks to everyone that came along. And there was actually a, a pod fan present at the gig. He tweeted me afterwards and said hello at the time um, in the reverse order. And uh, and it was a, a real pleasure to perform. He said nice things about my hosting, which I very much appreciate. I'm definitely in the uh, the pre-cooking phase now of, of uh, starting to write the next show. Um, and it was lovely to, to try out some bits and bobs with the people of Aberyst with Art Centre. So thank you for having us. This is Johnny and the Baptists. I feel actually, if I'm honest, yeah. you are too close. Yeah. Like I could <laughs> do with a all bit this. How's that? Well, I just didn't want it to look like we get on very well. Yeah. But it's not going to look like anything. No, I know, in front of you. I didn't want to get the tone wrong right at the start by because I'd said move. We get, we're very close. We share a bed. Sometimes. <laughs> and it's true. We've started now. I'm definitely including that. Oh, right. That, well, that makes me want to start with, who's the boss? Oh, no. Well, I am. Uh, well, no. Yeah. No. Well, well, see, look, we're getting hanged on the mic technique I already. I can't handle the mic. This is quite nice, That's actually, <laughs> being this close. It's very visual, what we're doing now, so we should probably... <laughs> um, who is the boss? I am. Why do you say that so quickly? It's called Johnny and the Baptists. Yeah. It's not... <laughs> I have three of the four words. Yeah, but... That's not... Is and? Does and belong? And I'm a plural. There are more of him. There's more Baptists than there are Johnny. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's very much. It's if he left, yeah, it would be called Johnny and the Baptists. <laughs> is that? Have you had that, that is, conversation? That's absolute bollocks. That's, <laughs> that's what I've decided. If if I left, he well, you, he, he would just the car, be called. You get the name. <laughs> yeah. If if I leave, it would be called and the Baptists. <laughs> but if you leave, it'll be called Johnny, which is just who I am. No, yeah. if mm, surely it would be. You're in my phone as Paddy Baps. Paddy Baps. Yeah, Paddy from the Baptists. Well, it's, actually, I suppose that does make sense. A lot of people assume my last name is Baptists. <laughs> that is uh, that. That is something that happens. I guess in t- t- you're the boss. Why am I admitting to this? I don't want to admit to this. Johnny and the Baptists. The reason I ask is that on stage, in that I saw your show in Edinburgh, which mm. I loved. I loved. And I saw Thank your you. set last night, which I also loved. I mean, it, you know, it's different seeing you do a set of course, to yeah. that incredibly punchy, powerful, meaningful thing you did at Edinburgh, which we will talk about in a bit. But one of the games of your double act is that Johnny's in charge and you mock Paddy for sort everything. of everything, for you know, for having funny hair and, you know, being not being or being too young or... But he is inherently younger better looking and more talented at uh, certainly from from a sort of, I mean Paddy can play uh the guitar in a way which isn't like how you know so I mean normally normally when someone says I can play the guitar it just means I'm a shit whereas uh, <laughs> I'm a shit will you sleep with me I'm a shit normally what it means. Yeah. would you like me to ruin the barbecue <laughs> whereas Paddy can actually play the guitar he's got Luscious, long, beautiful hair. He's unbelievably But there's no way that he's the high status one. Oh, no, no, because he doesn't need to be. Because I think, I mean, a desire for high status is inherently a low status thing. That's interesting. Okay, obviously, I feel like this, that's opened up so many avenues <laughs> to talk about. Um, I t- what, else, what else I bring to this is I know you also do theatre work separately. Yeah. I don't know what else Paddy does, and I don't mean to leave an ellipsis there as if to say, do you do anything do else, you Paddy? Do anything. But, you know, you, Johnny, we know, does uh, works with Payne's Plough yep. and uh, has done Every Brilliant Thing, which is a wonderful show I saw at Mac a couple of years ago. Thank you. So I know, as I watch, I know that you are a theatrical divisor performer sure. you know multi-talented person and you're doing all the talking and paddy is playing the guitar and doing a tiny amount of the talking sure there are two things that i think I, and I'm, i want to say at this point because paddy and i are sharing one shotgun microphone i want to get an answer out and then pass it to him with generosity and love it isn't that i'm silencing him but i don't think you should whilst i'm explaining whether or not we have an equal relationship and who has the status, just shout things off Mike. Because I definitely think that's going to create the wrong feeling. Well, I mean, I, so. I'm glad you said that because obviously the listener at home will be listening to you going, well, i tell you why let Paddy me explain. is like this. Let me say a few things about Paddy. Um, a perfect place to start. No, I, so um, Paddy, why don't you explain first why... Do you want to talk first or shall I? I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, okay. I think, um, I, I, I think that the, the, I mean, certainly from a club set point of view, the way Paddy and I play is, is I, I sing and do the talking and he plays the guitar and, and that's, so that sort of feels kind of like a bit more one sided in that sense. Whereas when we do a full hour show, there's a lot more interaction between the two of us. But I think really it's sort of about, um, it's kind of a very sort of Flanders and Swan um, sort of style sort of thing of, of 
I mean, technically, I come from a background of comedy and Paddy comes much more from a background of music and then we put that together and it's quite equal in everything apart from um, that sort of sense on stage. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what what to add to that because I think that's that's absolutely right. I definitely came from music and then I, I basically learned a lot about comedy from you. Mm. So especially when we started gigging at the beginning, like when we were doing club sets and stuff like that, I, I was I was sort of in the in the learner's seat, if that makes sense. And as we went on, and we started, like you were saying earlier, about us doing hour shows, uh, hour long shows, not as in hour. Anyway, um, we it, it became more interesting to talk about the the narrative of us as opposed to just being some guy and his guy, mm. if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, like we t- we talked to each other so much more during a full hour than we do on stage. Uh, in terms of in terms of club sets, yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, next, <laughs> <laughs> not nearly next, not by long shot. <laughs> so, well, tell it. Give us a bit more of the background then. Of of uh, give us a, a a minute each on how you what you were up to before you met. Um, right. Well, I didn't. So, I think the p- part of the issue is we when we started working together, I was twenty eight and Paddy was twenty. Mm. And that age gap has stayed the same all the way through. So I'm now 33. How did you manage that? And oh, no, Paddy is 25. Yeah. That's yes. true. That's really good maths. Yeah, that is good. So I think there is an element of the fact that when we started, I had been in a double act for five or six years with a guy called Danny, who is a very nice young man, but a very, uh, very uh, incapable worker. Um, like he's very, very incredibly funny, very, very kind, wonderful to spend time with, very unwilling to work more than 45 to 50 minutes a year. Um, and so it was very hard work getting our double act off the ground. And what was that? What was that called? We were called the Roaring Boys and then we were called Johnny and Danny. And then, but we, we kept, we wrote five or six plays and we took them all to Edinburgh and they were all cult hits, you know, real cult hits, you know. But um, the definition of a cult hit, if you don't know, is um, uh, you tell everyone it's a hit and it hasn't been. Yes, um, okay. And you lose a lot of money. And then we'd sort of tour and we did gigs and we, we, we had quite a nice time. We worked together and we wrote for lots of other people and we wrote a lot of rejected pilots. And I, so I'd sort of been doing that sort of side of comedy for a very long period of time. We decided to stop and I wanted to – I was it was really important to me that the next thing I did – was on my own and not a double act because I didn't want to be defined by that. And I'd found it so sort of difficult working with someone else who uh, was just not as, maybe not as keen or, or not as hardworking. Um, certainly not as interest motivated. He's, he, I think I, he'll, he might listen to this. So, so, sorry. Um, sorry, Danny, but it's your own fault. Anyway, um, and he, yeah, so I w- was absolutely certain that we weren't a double act uh, when we started, Paddy and I, because partly because I started, I was going to be a solo act, but then I wanted to do songs and then I thought I'll have a band. And then that band was just one person and he was also writing it with me and doing it. So technically it was quite a complicated thing, but um it sounds like a relationship I once had with a lady mm. where we c- tried to convince each other we weren't having a relationship for a very long time. And then we had to go, this is basically a relationship, yeah. isn't it? Well, I think that's what it was with us. Because basically after a while you realise that um, even though it isn't what I wanted it to be, we were spending all our time together and sleeping together. 
Paddy and I. <laughs> and so there's just no question that it was a relationship. Mm. What? No, what was the question? Yeah, no, I think we basically wanted both to do the same sorts of things and uh, we ended up being a double act. How did you find one another? Um, I was best friends with Paddy's older brother, who is my age. and Fascinating uh, dynamic. And we met at his wedding. So Paddy was 20 and I was 28. Like I said, same age as, as I said at the start. <laughs> um, and Paddy is really, really scared of and uncomfortable with the notion of dancing. Um, like the, he, it, there's something about whilst he is astonishingly beautiful, and there's no, and there's no, you shouldn't be churlish about that. There's nothing wrong with being beautiful. Um, whilst he is extremely beautiful, you know, kind of like like a sort of like a very well um, cut um, sculpture. Um, he 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 can't really move um, with any grace. Or dignity. Like, like a beautiful sculpture. Like a beautiful sculpture, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't dancing because I'd broken a toe. Whereas I, I mean, I think the difference between Paddy and I is whilst he is very beautiful and won't dance, um, I, I'm, I'm, I am equally graceless, but I have a very strong sense of self-belief about dancing. Um, and so long as there's enough space and people don't mind the odd bruise, I will dance with anyone. Um, but I do look a bit like a sort of um, a, a kind of an egg uh, that's gradually hatching. Sorry, the best way to describe me. Um, so we weren't dancing together, and then we got chatting about. And I'm finding this really hard to answer because we, I've said this answer to so many journalists, and I'm now trying to remember what of it is true. Which is, we say, oh, we met and we chatted and we had the same interests and we started working together. And I, that isn't true. We met, and I thought, oh, he's lovely, and. Might be um, easy to manipulate. Maybe, maybe I could keep him uh, because he could be convinced. It's like an opportunity for you to get over the problems of your previous double act partner by being the one in charge and being able to crack the whip in a way that you couldn't before when you were let down. See, the, the, I, I just think that it, if this was real therapy, you'd have let me get there first rather than <laughs> leading me into that thought. It is absolutely not real therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think. Uh, it was just really we just got on very very well i do think the real key thing um paddy and i like similar music and we have similar interests in politics and we have similar interests in comedy and i will let you talk sorry in just a second sorry darling um but the the main thing is um touring with someone and working with them you really you need to be socially and personally compatible much more than anything else and I'm, i'm sure that was the key thing really it's just that Touring with Paddy, which I do, and I'm with you. We work together pretty much six months of the year, full on. Not in like so we will do a three month tour, um, March, April, May, probably, um, and that's just non stop. Um, and then, I guess June, July, and August, we will um, will then write a show, practice a show, do it at Edinburgh, and then there'll be about six months like now where we'll occasionally gig, but we'll go off and do other bits and pieces. But the biggest thing is being able to sort of live with someone and work with them and enjoy their company. And the main thing I remember thinking was, wow, you're just actually nice all the way through. You're not sort of, there's no, there, there isn't, there's nothing hidden there. You're just actually a good person. So I'm sure that I just remember thinking that. And then later when you said, oh, we should do some stuff together, thinking, oh, I don't know if he's funny or if he can play the guitar, but it'd probably be fine. 
I mean, because mm. you're so nice, I just thought we, you could always just you could just do the accounts, and then, it t- <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then and I'd be happy for you to be in the band. And then it turned out that you were absolutely brilliant, and that was just a bonus. That's my answer. <laughs> Let's hear from Paddy. Let's hear that. Do, do, do you? When you mentioned uh, Johnny mentioned interviews, yeah, uh, earlier on, do you speak much in interviews? Um, not so much. I mean, I've always kind of been the quiet one, and I think that that's changed over the course. I've got louder over the last five years, yeah. and I've and I've 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 made my own voice a little bit more. But I am I am usually the quiet one, and especially at the beginning. I remember something that I found immediately very. Lo- I don't want to just turn to a love in, but something I found immediately very nice about working with you is, especially when we started on the circuit and we started you know do, doing good spots and people started asking questions about us something that immediately made me think actually i'm i'm really enjoying this is we when when we did interviews if someone just wanted to talk to johnny um then you didn't really give them the time of day yeah. and that was something really really sweet about you because we did have people who were interested in us and they basically very much saw us as front man and stooge and it was it, it was a very lovely moment realizing that I wasn't a stooge when people would go, "Oh, we just want to talk to Johnny," and Johnny would go, "Well, you can go fuck yourself then." Um, so there's a guy asked us if we'd do a gig, and it was a guy who does a very specific. I can't say that any part. Of this okay, sure, sure, sure. Away. Maintain the secrecy because I'm interested in. The, so in a, the a guy asked us to do a gig, which is a, was a very specific gig within a very niche form of interest that people have yes I know and i exactly said what you're talking about. i said i've got no interest in that let's imagine it's hoopla but it isn't it's something else people do and i said i don't know how to do that and i've got no interest in that but you know what pads is brilliant at it you, you should get him on and they said oh no we don't want him and i remember thinking well you've just 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 well then you're just a twat I mean, this is just one of those ones where we could have talked and talked and talked and uh, they're tremendous fun to hang out with. Sometimes the, the comedy industry is so bittersweet because you meet people you really like and you go, oh, great, guys, well, I'm, I guess we'll gig together again in three years or not, you know. Um, but what uh, what a lovely pair of men. Now, um, there's a couple of other projects that they both do that I should make you aware of. We touched briefly uh, on Johnny's uh, other work with Payne's Plough Theatre Company um, and, uh, and others, I'm sure, as well. Um, he did a show called every brilliant thing which i was lucky enough to see at the mccuncliffe arts <gasps> i've said it i said it out loud we, we, we recorded this in Aberystwyth, so maybe i just had a sort of a welsh thing but to be honest unless you'd heard of it you would be unable from me spilling the beans there to uh, to determine what it is or indeed how to spell it so let's just say at some place or other uh, i saw johnny donahoe's uh, show um, every brilliant thing, which was, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, frankly. It was, uh, it was an incredibly affecting, uh, performance, uh, of a really well made, well devised piece of work, well written piece of work. So, um, check out his stuff. Uh, Paddy as well does a podcast of his own with his friend Laurie Havelock, and, uh, it's called Pod Shambles, and it's a chat pod about being best friends, Paddy said. This is typically guileless, lovely Paddy thing to say. I shall try and spruik it slightly more than that. Uh, if you go to podshambles.co, UK, you can find episodes with names like A Stitch in Time Will Kill You, Give Us Froobs, 100% Physical Intensity, and Whoops, There Go My Genitals. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you're into, and if you're liking um, Paddy's contributions so far to this conversation, then you should check out, I'm sure you can find it on iTunes or wherever you normally find your podcasts, uh, you can find Pod Shambles, all one word. Now, 
a couple of bits and bobs. Um, there is Remember, only advertised to you and the Facebook group. There is ComCom Pod Redacted. Uh, that is on the Thursday, the 15th of December. That's coming up fast at the experimental late show time of 10.30pm. And that's going to be in London at the new Angel Comedy Club, which is 39 Queenshead Street, Queenshead Street, <laughs> Queens Street, Head, London, N1. 8NQ, and that's one of those postcodes that just makes me feel like I'm watching stuff from Television Centre. Um, there's no advertising, no tickets, no record of it. It's not being recorded. It will never be uh, uh, broadcast in any means, and no outsiders. I mean, you can bring people, but they've, they've got to be prepared to put up with a lot of bullshit and catchphrases from the show. Three comedy guests, myself and Pete Dobbing on stage, uh, running and mediating proceedings. Pete acts as the sort of live uh, director slash lateral thinking expert of the show, um, and we had a really good time doing those in Edinburgh, so Please do come along. It's completely free. Redacted, Thursday the 15th of December, the New Angel Comedy Club, 10.30pm. It's only an hour. I'm sure you'll be able to get a last bus, if not a last tube. Um, it's, it's only an hour. And we, depending on how loose everyone is with the rules, we might, you know, it might be longer. But the, the good, it'll only be good for an hour. How's that? <laughs> so, um, dates are on sale now for my tour. If you're on the mailing list, I'm going to send you some more information on this and also a load of old, um, <laughs> a load of old rubbish. A load of uh, older bits and pieces from the podcast. I've little experimental bits of video and so forth and um, that never made it to the light of day. Um, I'm going to jam pack my new mail out with all of that because it turns out mail outs are really expensive to run. I didn't realise once you get over a certain number, they start charging you and everyone does that. So, um, so I'm going to, rather than make them more frequent, I'm just going to try and fill each one with loads of stuff in it. And that way, we make sure that everyone who isn't totally on board unsubscribes. Goodbye, everybody! But uh, sign up for that. You can do that at comedianscomedian.com. Uh, and of course, there'll be information about the tour on the next one. You can zip straight to that. Go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour. Now... My foray into Facebook Live video last Friday was tremendous fun. You can still see that on the Facebook uh, Comedians Comedian group, um, which is a private group, so you have to you have to uh, request to join. But um, I'm, you know, that's just, that's mainly a means of keeping out spammers and also a means of enabling me to be a sort of uh, benevolent dictator. But um, uh, so join that, and you can see the video, which I will leave up there for probably only another week or so. It was quite ridiculous, and everyone started spamming me with. But it was a really fun, live, interactive thing. So I think we're going to do another one. I'm only going to... I'll, I'll only talk about that really on the Facebook group. So all I would say here is join the Facebook group and you can find out about that if you fancy. Um, and as I will mention on... Because we've managed to sort it out now. My fault. We didn't quite get the uh, the organisation together in time. Um, there is a code. There's a code for you. If you want to come and see me on tour, book your tickets using the word Vera. V-E-R-A. Now, I am reliably informed that this works on almost every ticket site but it is possible that there are one or two where there isn't a enter a voucher code thing in which case i don't know can i say pester me on facebook on email that might be a, a huge problem if it's not working maybe chuck us a tweet at comcompod and uh, and alert me to the fact that there appears to be nowhere to put in your vera code and i will try and get to them all and sort them all out I will I will add to that. It, it, once they're sorted out, I may start ignoring emails saying they don't work. Is that fair? So if I get two or three people going, sort this one, and then I sort that one, I might ignore emails that say, 
hey, this one still doesn't work if I think it now does. How's that? Oh, God, this is a, <laughs> this is a man, and uh, this is a live example of a man desperately trying to stave off a potential tidal flow of admin, um, just so that I can hang out with my little baby. Um, so that's that. This, the code is Vera. Don't share that around. That's just for you podcast listeners. And, uh, and that's all of that. We'll get back to the guys in just a second. Just suffice to say, thank you for the most recent donations. Oh, my God. Somebody donated me the use of their house. Um, I won't identify this person, but he knows who he is. And um, I've been, you know, I'm still going back and forth on this. Hey, America's pretty fun kind of idea. Um, I may now not do the, the, the big sort of, hey, let's try this for six months plan that I was considering before. Um, but... Uh, someone very kindly in the interim and I may take him up on this TBC if I do obviously I won't take pictures of the inside of his house <laughs> it would remain an entirely private experience but I might do a little um, I'm, I mean I, I don't know I feel like he doesn't want to be identified but I feel I should champion him somehow so anyway thank you mystery person how incredibly kind of you let's let's see if that happens um, so but that's I mean I'm not asking you to donate me a house I mean you can, <laughs> you by all means can um, the, I, I think what we're going to do is I'm going to consolidate the the, uh, the money pitch uh, into simply this. If you would like to support the show with a recurring donation of, for example, two pounds, or you would like to support the show with a one-off donation of, for example, 20 quid, um, then you can do that at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate. And you can support the show uh, in your own way, however you would like to. Um, people are, are amazingly generous in, in supporting this show. And yet quite a quite a, a low percentage of people actually donate. So to those people who have, I say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And to those who have not yet done so, then hey, there's plenty of time. Do it whenever you want. And remember, if you can't afford to, that's absolutely fine. If you don't want to, you can uh, support the show in other ways by spreading it, telling people about it, sharing it with your friends, grabbing their devices from their hands and explaining how podcasts work and then subscribing to this show. Who I got one or two other... Um, Oh man, I've got uh, I've I've so I've got these Japan gigs coming up. <laughs> Did I mention these before? I'm leaving in two weeks, oh, like a week and a half now. I'm going to uh, Hong Kong, Singapore. I'm aware that neither of those places in Japan. On my way to Tokyo, Osaka, and Fukuoka. And uh, it's the most insane whistle-stop tour. I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. I wish I would have longer in each place. But um, we've needed to sort of do it so I'm not away uh, from the Baba for too long. But um, so thank you to Ollie Horn for helping organise this. Let's assume, seeing as uh, I'm saying this now and they're coming up shortly... I will thank him on the basis that they probably were brilliant <laughs> rather than rather than tentatively going thanks I think who knows what this experience will be like but um what what an exciting what an opportunity to go out and do that so hello to everyone listening uh, in Japan in Hong Kong and Singapore and I will see you there soon I hope you all come and support those shows details uh, on the Facebook group of those and on my uh, comedians fan page so that that's everything thank you for uh, for listening let's get back to Johnny and the bat. I mean, I since recording this, I've started telling. I've started referring to them as Paddy and the Baptists. <laughs> so it's sort of pointless, gently winding up Johnny way. So let's do that. Let's get back to Paddy and the Baptists. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So let me hear, what, from your point of view then, Paddy, what's the, the story that Johnny just told about you meeting at a wedding? Yeah. What's that story in your words? What was your, what's your recollection of that? I was actually trying to, like, like, you, like Johnny said, I was trying to remember what's the truth in it. Um, and, well, I was, I was, as Johnny was my older brother's best mate, I was dimly, I was always dimly aware of him. Like, we went to the same school. Johnny was obviously uh, uh, many years above me at school. Um, but I remember I used to go and see Johnny's shows when I was like 12 or 13 years old, uh, like his early kind of narrative comedy double act stuff. And I loved it. Um, but we'd never properly met until this wedding. And uh, we were both ushers or something like that. And uh, and yes, the, da- the dancing thing, I remember very clearly, I was taking advantage of getting pissed at a family wedding, which is lovely. And you know that moment where everyone gets up and dances. And if you're not comfortable with dancing like me, I'm quite shy about quite a few things like that. Um, you sit at a table and you watch everyone else go and you go, fuck, who's left? And, it, you know, there's Gran and there's, you know, <laughs> like, and, uh, and I remember you being sat there clearly with this, with some form of leg injury. And I, and my arm was in a, my arm was in a, in a cast at that point as well. Yeah, that was cause I had, yeah, 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 cool. I had just dropped out of university, uh, due to, uh, I, uh, I've got a, buggered arm and it's metal and it had and it had screwed up really bad there's much more to that story basically it was totally screwed and i had to drop out of university because i i was at music college and i couldn't play any instruments anymore for for six months and it was really upsetting i remember sort of being at this wedding being like shit you know my older brother's getting married like everything's going so well for everyone i don't really know what i'm gonna do with my life and then massively got on with Johnny through sitting there and just having a lovely time with you. And that's how I didn't know if you could play the guitar. Is you, 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 you. <laughs> there was no evidence. No, your, your, your arm was in a cast, and yeah. it's your, it's your, it's your playing arm. It's, if you play the guitar, one, your, your, um, my right arm. Your right arm is the one that does all the hard work. Um, and it, like when you start the guitar, you really think it's much more important than the left one, but it isn't. Anyway, th- this is not important. But the, but the, the, I remember thinking. Uh, you said, oh, we should do something together. I, I, I'm, I'm a really good guitarist. Well, you wouldn't have said it like that because you're much more humble. But you, you said that. And I was like, oh, can I hear you play? And you went, no. And I do remember thinking, oh, well, then no, I suppose it wouldn't really matter. He seems, he seems kind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that, that is entirely true. You basically went on no evidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, 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 I think I'm very similar to my brother. So you probably had some kind of background interest in that I'd probably be nice 
and someone who you'd like to hang out with if I was that similar mm. to Wall. Um, and also, I'd done, I'd done some comedy before. Basically, it was something I was really interested in as a teenager, and I used to, I used to work with Finn Taylor. Yeah, okay. him. I didn't know that. So I know Finn, Finn very well. Finn, but Finn was my best that. mate at school, and we used to okay. write, we used to do sketch comedy together. Okay. Uh, and then we both went off to university, and we had this sort of grand plan that we'd both go and study different things, and then we'd meet up again when we were 21, and we'd, we'd start writing together, and we'd be this double act. Uh, and then I ended up getting much more interested in musical comedy and Finn got much more interested in stand-up. Um, and then I just, I was, I was incredibly, I wanted to be a musician. And then I remember just from this wedding, I was like, actually, maybe I should give comedy a go again because I did really enjoy that. And here's an opportunity for me to learn from someone who I know I'll get on with because he's my brother's best mate, who's pissed with me at a wedding. We've both managed to injure ourselves and uh, neither of us can dance. So, and you invite, I don't know if you remember doing that because we did, we had this conversation at the end of the night. It was sort of like, yeah, no, maybe we should, maybe we should hang out and write something. And I thought it was one of those things where it's like, oh, he'll call me or I'll call him and it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, you rang me and, uh, and said, your brother's got us tickets to see Pulp. Yep. And, we, and Johnny and I went to see Pulp together and had a fantastic night. And I remember just thinking, yeah, no, fuck it. This is going to be my job from now on. And then, yeah, and then the nature of it obviously gradually changed over five years. And, like, and Johnny's always been a, a brilliant musician, but I think you learned more about music over the first year or two. I learned a lot more about comedy over the first year or two until we kind of blended in the middle and started, like you said, like you said earlier, kind of collaboratively doing things and and did you what was your what was your joint approach to gigging did you did johnny already have a a diary full of gigs and contacts that you were able to slot into well yeah you you certainly had yeah yeah, you certainly knew people and you knew the right you you, like no that sounded that's not not like you know the firm but like (laughs) as in as in like i remember you being like well this is how a night works and this is you know we we immediately the first i remember one of the first things you wanted to do was start a residency because you were like that'll be one of the ways that we meet the other musical comics and we can start booking people and start meeting the the guys who do gigs and the people all this kind of thing and you certainly knew far more about it than i because i knew all about music gigs whereas you have much more experience in comedy so what was the first thing that you wrote together the first song i think we really wrote together um was a song called give blood which is a a, a, a quite an angry but funny 12 bar blues song um uh about the fact that um it has been illegal in the uk for gay men to give blood for um since since the 80s when they changed the law and what i remember seeing was um and, and I think it's called relatively indicative of how we write, which is uh, I read a newspaper article uh, about um, David Cameron um, su- suggesting a motion to amend this law, discovering this law was in place. And the, the law is essentially um, <clears throat> it's been illegal for gay men to give blood in the UK since the sort of um, uh, the kind of terrible, you know, kind of. Um, frenzied fear of um, HIV and AIDS in the 1980s um, created a series of quite homophobic uh, laws like this. Um, and it was never really amended, um, which is unbelievably ridiculous for a whole host of reasons. I mean, partly the fact that um, uh, the 
the rates of HIV and AIDS have um, decreased significantly amongst the gay community who've been much more um, uh, wise about education um, and they've increased uh, you know sort of tenfold in the that's not true uh, increased somefold that this is on record they, people can check facts but they've increased in the heterosexual <laughs> Some, somefold in yeah the somefold um, and so that's just also I mean the uh, homosexual community is, is you know utterly renowned for um huge acts of um altruism and so it seems ridiculous that you'd you'd bar a group that are that known for generosity of spirit uh from uh giving blood uh, when we have a blood shortage i mean it's just appalling and and draconian and horrible and um anyway so the the conservative plan um was to amend the law so that you could give blood as a gay man if you could prove categorically that you hadn't had sex with another man which obviously does mean that you weren't actually gay because, I mean, very much as a man, uh, because I think being gay really is about who you sleep with and not anything. I mean, really, it's the sex is a big issue, isn't it, in, in your Yes, I mean, I'd be, I'd be hesitant to agree that uh, you you can't be gay unless you've slept with a man. I think you can no, be and gay I, I, and not really that interested in sex. Or a, absolutely. But I do think suggesting that it's we've changed the law, it's okay, gay oh. people can give blood. Oh, wait, as long as they haven't had sex with another gay person. Yeah, of course, of course. This is uh, not hugely uh, successful an amendment. Um, so we wrote a song about that, and, and it, the, I think this is quite indicative of how we write, which is basically, I read something and got annoyed, and then came up with a comic concept for it which was very simple and cheap which was the notion that we'd slept together and um were just but, but we're still just friends but we're now we're, we're at a blood bank and we're, un, we're unable to to give blood which was ridiculous and then and then um we put it together in a song and then we performed it for a bit and then you wrote the funniest bit at the start hmm. which is sort of um uh so I think it kind of is what's the funniest bit at the start can you butcher the material for us so we can uh, get our teeth into it Oh, do we have a guitar? No, we left the guitars. We should have brought a guitar. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see it? Or is uh, it a musical gag? It's that, it? You know, it sort of goes... Um, <laughs> so, how does it begin? Um, everybody say... Oh, yeah. Everybody blood. say the blood yeah. banks will run dry. Every man should give blood because blood saves lives, but... There's a problem limiting donating potential Cause you're not allowed to give blood If you're a homosexual You want us to chip in You only want certain chips You only want the chips that have been in certain dips But if a starving man is hungry All he needs is chips Does it really matter what kind of chips? The chips are all the same Don't you know the chips have all come from the same fucking potato you want us to chip in when the chips are down but we made sweet love so we cannot give blood now that's beautiful thank you thank you but that's that that's that's a that's a really good point about about how we write because i I remember writing that song and you basically went i've got this great idea i and you knew how to structure a joke and you went how do we make it a song (laughs) (laughs) and and it's sort of like you know because i i we can all think i'm sure of musical comedians who are basically like here's the setup here's the punchline and there happens to be music happening absolutely but that's a song that's a song (laughs) that's the thing and that's that that was like that was our intention from the from moment one of writing together is um being a being a comedy band or a musical act um 
like you say, it's it's it can often be you either sacrifice the joke for better music, or you sacrifice the music for a better joke, and. We didn't want to do it. We wanted to be a band. We wanted to be something that people could actually listen to, and it wasn't just you know three chords and someone rhyming over and over again. We wanted to we wanted to actually use some musicality and some you know use interesting keys and use weird chords and weird time signatures and mm. the kind of stuff you get super interested in, like at maybe, maybe if you're a musician. But we didn't. But then again, we we, we wanted to be, we wanted to be hard hitting and funny enough that we would get you know we we could do them at clubs and we could do them in Edinburgh shows and be considered a, a comedy act instead of just like a band who was slightly witty or you know or or a comic who was shit at the guitar like we we, we wanted to be both like, or ne- <laughs> no or neither neither <laughs> neither I, I wanted it to be like I, I always sort of thought that my biggest problem with um musical comedy act is uh, the the no and, and I think uh, that is the notion that you write a really good song and it's funny but then you sing it with no um energy or emotional sort of you know like you you almost sing worse than you can for the sake of the joke and i always thought that's that's doing down music or you sing so well that you can't hear the joke whereas i think one of my favorite the mountain goats the um uh, which i I, I think are amazing yeah those songs are much funnier than many musical comedian yeah songs and not all of them but the funny ones are and then also um jarvis cocker I mean, a huge number of his lyrics are genuinely funnier than ours. And so, but those songs are incredible and they mean something to you. So it's like, well, can't we do that? Wouldn't that be better? Well, that was very much my intention. And, and were yeah. there, you've mentioned, there's obviously, there's a two good kind of uh, uh, lodestones of songwriting and they're good examples of serious, supposedly serious musicians. I, I'm, I like Pulp. I love the Mountain Goats. I'm a huge fan of the yeah, Mountain Goats. Yeah, my favourite band. Um, but uh, let's have a big chat about them. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to great. interrupt this show now, but let's absolutely have a huge chat about John Darnell and why he's so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, but were there other musical comedians that you were inspired by that you that were good examples of the form that you went, we do want to do, we want to do that? Um, no, and that isn't to say that there weren't, and there are hundreds, and there are lots of really great people, but my main intention was to not... Um, this is gonna, it's, uh, no, I, you said earlier, I was going to say this is going to sound pretentious. Um, but I'm, apparently I'm allowed to do that. Um, I, I'm, I remember, uh, I'm a big fan of Björk. Um, and I've been to see her about seven times live. And I really love her because essentially she's, um, when I was a kid growing up in Reading, uh, she was really weird and uh that seemed very much something that you weren't meant to do in reading there was you know there were two movements in reading uh and there is you know um uh be very unhappy and then either join the army or go to prison uh, and the other one is become a goth and i didn't want to do either and i was really trying to find my own and i thought she was amazing because she sort of would dress the most incredible things and her music was so extraordinarily beautiful um and this and and every album was like a whole new approach to music it was and there was never you know i love the fact that she she came to britain and went well there's two kinds of music here there's electronica and there's um there's electronic and dance music and there's guitar music and and neither's better than the other but at least electronic and dance music is trying to be different every time so i'll go that way was her sort of approach i've got massively off the subject my point of it was she said oh i don't like to listen to any other singers ever i only like to listen to instrumental music now because otherwise i feel i'll emulate them and i think 
I didn't. I wasn't really very interested in any other musical comedy because, in fact, I was. I was. I was. I, li- I only liked it if it was really bad. Because then I thought, great, we won't do that. I just all the really good musical comedy. I'd just make you slightly annoyed that you hadn't thought of it, but also make you annoyed that it already existed and therefore you weren't doing something innovative <laughs> or original mm. yourself. And I, I just love. I, I really love it when. Um, like I think that I, I do really think Tim Minchin is an exceptionally talented human being. I didn't. I, I'm not a massive fan of his stuff personally. That I think that's taste, um, because I think there's perhaps in it too much of a sense of um, distance and not quite enough. It's sort of got that sort of musical theatre cabaret sort of. Slight, what I love things if they've got real pain in them. And whilst he talks about things that are incredibly intellectually engaging and interesting, there isn't. There's always almost like he's cutting a little bit of himself away from it, and so that doesn't massively appeal. Um, so that's one. He's very much an influence in terms of his extraordinary ability to um, conjure an image and, uh, and and to play and 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 within the field but i really wanted somebody i really wanted to like we wrote an early song called robert which was just pain sung and it's very funny because it's sort of just taking it slightly too far but i never wanted it to seem like that thing of um overacting or um you know sort of saying anything in any way possibly ridiculous for the sake of the laugh it was just you know tragedy is inherently funny um was that rather than um it's funny because um, it's so ridiculous. Before we talk about, I want to go on to talk about in in that with that in mind. I want to go on to talk about the the show that I saw at Edinburgh just past. Before we go on to that, it, did you have what were your kind of touchstones of of musical comedy? I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know that much about it. Like like I you know Bill Bailey was always a big one for me. Um, but to me, I was like I I was always much more into. I guess kind of like Johnny, the, sorry, sort of like the the humour in music as opposed to the musical comics. Like I always liked, I always liked protest singers because I liked that. It's like what you were saying about injecting emotion and stuff like that. I felt that people like Billy Bragg, mm. like would would make me smile and laugh more more than anyone else. And and I liked it when a, when a a band had a like like had a glint in them that just sort of shot a joke out because i actually i didn't i didn't know very much about comedy like my dad was a big fan of um billy Connolly and eddie izzard and we used to watch a lot of that kind of stuff uh at home but i didn't really find out about the whole wealth of stuff out there until i started doing it um so yeah i was i was always much more influenced by bands like like proper like rock music and grunge music and blues and like a lot, a lot of blues music is incredibly funny, and my dad, my dad's a blues musician, and he used to listen to people like Kev Mo and Taj Mahal and Muddy Waters and stuff. And you hear the clever little things they can put in without ever sacrificing how brilliant a song it is. They can make you just grin a little bit, and that was what that was what was important. That was the comedy in music for me, I think. And do, does a gig, will tonight's gig, hmm. do you imagine, or, or an Edinburgh show, satisfy? you will it give you what you're looking for from your job on a gig by gig basis yeah i think i think off i prefer doing hours mm. i much prefer doing hours because a whole show. Uh, uh, yeah sorry uh, doing doing a whole show because i feel like it's something that we've we've talked about quite a lot like 
it takes a little while to get used to our relationship on stage. We can do that, like you were saying earlier, about when we just do a club set, if we're doing 20 minutes, we can go on, immediately create a dynamic where it's like, he's the front man, I'm the guitar, he'll treat me like this, I'll grin at jokes that I've heard before, and I'll stab my foot. <laughs> one, you know. yeah, one of my questions was that I was watching last time, I was like, does Paddy have to fake laugh at crosstalk? <laughs> no, you'd be surprised. 90% of it is genuine, because we have to keep each other on our toes, or we'll, or we'll get sick of each other. But And there are still jokes that I still find funny. It's a weird thing. I, just, I, I think I enjoy your, not just being sickly, but I enjoy your company so much that I just... But also, I, I mean, I think that most of what we do on stage during a club set is that we'll have a set list of songs and there, there isn't really any stand-up it's just uh it's just i'll i'll dick about and improvise and then if it's going badly you've got the best get out ever because essentially um, i can't remember who it was it was a comic saying the best thing you can ever do is um is pull a raffle because you as soon as it's going badly you just yeah. drop in for another one well yeah. we've got the best raffle going in the, <laughs> basically it's 90 percent raffle because you've got all these songs that that we've spent ages on and are really good, and in between you can, I mean, you can really well, fuck about get, because any really second I'll just get another jewel out of the bag. That's right, yeah. and sometimes that can be like there, there, there have been gigs where we've had sort of twenty five minutes between songs. It's been great, yeah. and then there have been gigs more like last night where um, I, I, I would just go right. Well, that's a song, and here's another, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was partly my mood and partly um, a, a group of people. <laughs> So let's talk about the Edinburgh show. Remind me of the name of the show that you just did. I'm, the the, the show we just me. finished, which we're touring next, is called Eat the Poor. Eat the Poor, of course. And it's about um, the wealth gap more than anything else. But essentially this, the narrative of the story is um, we, we, the first half of the show is, is stand-up and songs and the second half sort of gradually becomes a play or a musical theatre show where I – um, I am presented, you know, Paddy and I, who are neither of whom are, are very wealthy, um, have been doing our shows and are very happy and discussing how incredibly uh, unpleasant the current political situation is um, and how difficult it is for the majority of people and just how extraordinary the wealth gap is. Because I think you really have to sort of be shown uh, the um, the statistics of that to actually believe it. Because even though we're very aware of it, you still don't really understand just how much richer rich people are than us um and and how much richer we are than poor people i think i'm saying when i the we is not uh, everyone listening to this it's i mean it's just paddy and i though, within our own knowledge um and um then in the second half of the story uh, i sell paddy out for for success for fame for money uh, i i end up writing a musical with andrew lloyd webber um who paddy plays beautifully and um, I become, I become. We move forward about thirty years, and then again another thirty years, and you see the future. Um, and I become insanely rich and successful. And Paddy becomes homeless and loses everything. And um, and then and then at the end, well, I, I can't say what happened. No, don't end, give away the but, ending. Um, that's the that's the show. That's the show. So when you say it's about inequality, it really is about something. That's one of the most exciting aspects of it, was <laughs> watching people get to grips with a topic. Yeah. In the way that a lot of stand-up comedy, as we know from festivals, is <laughs> about... So, you know, some, And that is a skill in itself, is giving your show the appearance of being, being about around something, something in order to... Uh, to do one's best material and also sell one's show successfully, sure. the illusion of meaning. 
And yours was 100% actual meaning. And I, again, without wanting to, it's a difficult one because the ending of your show and the solution that you propose, without giving away what it is, because I think it's brilliant and tangible, the simple fact that you are taking a subject like the wage gap and proposing a solution to it make you it just stood out from so many even even i can only really think of someone like mark thomas mm. who would go here is a comedy show that is about something political well and the, here's what i it, suggest we yeah. do about well i don't mind saying what that is because it, it i think we both believe this and that was the start point of it uh, yeah. which is so the, the, there is a, well, so the, the the and it is radical and um a lot of you are not gonna like this um but i mean the 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 principle of the show is the biggest problem uh, facing um, uh, this country and the West is inheritance, is the extent to which um, we, you know, you know our, 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 I mean, essentially the, the way our economy works is entirely geared around greed. And it's geared around the principle that if everyone operates in the same way, everyone will achieve the same thing. I and mean, this is, a, that's a terrible deconstruction of, um, Adam Smith's uh, theory of capitalism. But anyway, the point is, is that um, that is sort of true. If, if we all try and take something, uh, we'll all get an equal amount and you just have to do that. And that's how capitalism works. Uh, now, the problem is, is that uh, a large number of people are born with considerably more and some people are born with so much that they can carry passing that on forever. And really, the simple truth is just um, refuse your inheritance. Um, and that's what we do. I mean, Paddy and I are from slightly different economic backgrounds. Is that right? You don't mind yeah. me saying yeah, fine. Um, but Paddy and I are from slightly different economic backgrounds, uh, but we're both, um, from families that are technically relatively within, I mean, my mum, uh, my mum owns her flat, um, uh, and is, you know, if, if she dies, um, before going completely mad, um, then it won't be used to pay for her medical bills, and I'll, I could stand to inherit that. Your 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 parents um, have a, a very nice house, mm. very nice house, lovely. We stay there a lot; it's lovely. Um, and you know, the, the, if 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 they die before madness again, there's there's the possibility that you'll you'll inherit a good wedge. Um, and what we say in the show is, give away your inheritance. That's that's what we're doing. Well, no, we don't tell other people, do we? we just say that that's what we're going to do. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Give it back to society. You shouldn't take anything that you haven't personally earned. Start from zero and make your own life. Don't, you know, and I, I think it's born out of the fact that I don't, I know, I know, I would say 50% of the people I know who are my age rent and 50% own. And the people who own in London, this is, this is probably a slightly different uh, uh, economic system if you live somewhere where it's possible to buy. Um, that Everyone I know who, who, um, who owns their own place do, has done so through familial support. So everyone who owns is basically of a class higher than all of my friends who rent. And it's, it's a sort of unspoken thing, but it's so immediately clear I obviously rent. Um, and I'm not even... And I don't even want to attack the people because quite a lot of those people who um, who own have also had some sort of trauma. You know, um, do you rent or own? You can always be answered by, oh, no, my father died, so I own. Mm. Um, you know, you've often lost someone in order for that to be possible. Uh, but I just think the system is so awful that the only thing to do is to say, right, well, if everyone gave away... Uh, their inheritance. If I mean, if you if you have a prince, if the I mean, why do we get what our parents made at the end of their lives? 
Like, why does that, if you could, does, I don't think it's, I mean, I personally don't think it's that radical, but apparently, but it, why should you get it? Like, because they made it. Mm. I mean, what, when did that start happening? And maybe, it, what if that just wasn't the rule? Wouldn't that be better? So, so in terms of the process of writing the show, that sounds to me, and again, that might just be we've got one mic and it was in your hand at the time, but mm. it sounds to me like you are articulating that manifesto here and now, and I'm interested in how that evolved from conversations between the two of you. What? I'm not. I don't. I feel like I'm challenging you here. I'm no, not, I'm you're not. Trying not to, I'm not all. trying to catch you out. But no, I, no, no. I'm interested in where, how that idea, that radical idea, and that kind of bite ties in with what Paddy was saying about being a fan of Billy Bragg, mm. and and what actually what steps are taken between having that conversation and booking the tour. And as we know from Edinburgh, booking Edinburgh certainly most people are coming up with a title that means nothing so that they've got time to write the show. Mm. Ah, right. Well, you see, we did that for three. We've done five Edinburgh shows and we did three shows. The first one was just called Johnny and the Baptists and uh, very few people came and I think that's fairly standard for your first show but I do think a lot of no one really came because they went, oh, oh is it? we just didn't, what is it? And then the second year we called Bigger Than Judas because it's like Bigger Than Jesus which is what um, John Lennon said about the Beatles, and no one really came to that. Um, and then the third year, we called the satiric verses, like the satanic verses. Again, um, no one really came to that. So it, it, what what we learnt from that was um, just coming up with a name uh, and having nothing to say was was less fun and useful. And during the Edinburgh 2014, between the third and fourth years, it became really clear to me that I think the most important thing that I wanted to possibly write funny things about was climate change because there just isn't anything funny about it at all inherently that we're all going to die and uh, that no one seems to be interested in trying to do anything about it really in the grand scheme of things and that even if they were it's probably too late and um, I've, I've got a niece and I love her and her life's going to be hell by the time she's sort of 50 um, and I thought, well, we should write something very funny about that because that's a challenge. So then, we, so then, when we were in the middle of doing that in Edinburgh, uh, and that was going quite well, we sort of, well, what's the next thing that you want to talk about the most in the whole world? Our manager said to us, and we both were very aware that because of the current, you know, the Conservatives had just won uh, their first um, majority government. This is 2015. Very aware that the thing that was most important to talk about next was the wealth gap and the extent to which. Um, we just thought that if we continue um, not dealing with the fact that a huge amount of the country live in basic poverty, um, if we keep trying to pretend that that isn't the case whilst everyone else gets richer, something radical and terrible will happen. And unfortunately, <laughs> that happened a few weeks before Edinburgh, which meant we had to rewrite it after. Yeah, right. I was say. So that was annoying, but yeah. we were right, but we, we just we took too long over the material. So, <laughs> so forward planning then, yeah. definitely, for the, the sort so of we, thing we, that you're doing. But also, are you are you... Behind the scenes, in that conversation with your manager, is your manager saying, what's the thing you want to talk about? And you're saying, hey, Paddy, I think it's the wage gap, right? And Paddy's going, yeah. It normally comes from, like, we we have a very, very close relationship with our manager. And 
It's normally it's too it, close. Too close. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even normally. He's been sitting silently in on this entire interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's right here. It's not even normally a conversation of what should we write about this year. I think it's something that's sort of all three of us already knew, mm. if that makes sense. Because we, we we like it's it, it's like when people um, when people ask you. Why do, why do you do political stuff or you know why why do you why do you write about the current situation and it's like it's we want to write about what's going on in the world so i think that you'd like without sounding too wanky it's like the topic's kind of already chosen for us and it'll be something that we've all argued about or we've all got really involved in and researched and and want want to express in in the form of comedy because it's like as johnny said about the climate change show we're now trying to challenge ourselves a bit more and write comedy about things that just aren't funny. <laughs> like, and not, not like, oh, we want to write about things that are sad so that our shows become emotional. We want to write. It's just like, I don't know. It's, you, you often get accused of preaching to the converted when you do political stuff. And that's, I don't, I don't really know how to respond to that because we're, we're just trying to talk about stuff that, it's really, it's really difficult to laugh at. And we, I think, and that was a gradual process for us because our first tour, uh, our first tour was called Stop UKIP. And that was just like, that was bit, like picked out of the hat just for us. We were touring just as UKIP started to get big up to the European elections. You, I remember now seeing a, a video you did on YouTube that was very well made. Mm. What was the UKIP? What was the song? Oh, it was, was, called, called, it was called UKIP. Right. Um, it was about, it was a, it was a fake party political proverb. Uh, broadcast music video uh, uh, there was this song that we wrote about um sort of why you should join ukip you know and sort of and it, you know it very cheap but you know like we'll you know if you like us um you know we're going to make britain great again and we're going to you know uh, retake india um and you know there'll be free milk for the under fives uh, <laughs> we we chickened out of making the whole edinburgh show like that and then it was very clear. So the Edinburgh show, which was just songs and chatting, very clear that gradually by the end of the Edinburgh show, that's sort of what it became. So when we came to put the tour, we were like, we might as well just, just, just do it all about UKIP. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, they didn't find it funny, the members of UKIP. And they wrote to us and they said, we don't find this funny and we're very angry that you're gay, was what they mostly said, <laughs> um, which was only partly true. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'd never at that point openly declared my sexuality, um, but they did write at great length that, you know, that we were these sort of, um, awful metrosexual homosexuals, um, which is weird because there's nothing in, I didn't also, it's just very, I mean, I remember saying at the time, I mean, they don't know if I'm gay. I don't. You know, it's too early to tell. Who knows? I mean, you never know until... I mean, I think... Anyway, but yes, they were very angry with us and they sent us a lot of death threats, um, which we've kept um, framed. <laughs> I've got one in the toilet. Um, oh, my God. It was yeah. fun, though. It was fun, though. Paul Nuttall, who is currently standing to be uh, the new leader, was deputy leader at the time, and he wrote a letter to the government. Um, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. The Government. Hello, The Government. When, oh, when. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And he uh, he wrote us a letter, and in it, he um, said, um, he said, um, uh, I, um, you, you, uh, UKIP is the party of free speech. 
but this must be stopped. <laughs> this show must. Uh, this be show banned. must be banned. And I remember thinking it must be so strange, like not having the intellectual control to keep a thought for a whole sentence <laughs> that you just sort of, you've got, I've got, I've got, I know what I want to say. And then you're so like halfway through, you have to say something else because you've lost that sort of battle in your own head. Um, it was quite, it was quite fun though. Um, we had some UKIP supporters come to the shows. Did yep. you? Yeah. We had okay, a guy yeah. came and put a poster up on the wall next to his chair. Saying in, what? Vote UKIP. I'm voting UKIP on May 22nd. Yeah. Wow. It's really weird. Which is a very... Did he heckle? Or is it just a very... No, it's just quite polite. polite. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite polite. We did, um, when we did the gigging... Um, the, 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 their, their chief issue with our tour uh, was that um, we were going to... Uh, was that we'd... Was that basically they thought it was appalling that we'd received Arts Council funding um, to take a show on the road... Um, with a show that was that was party political. I mean, it okay. wasn't. It was just against uh, one party. It wasn't. We weren't backed by anyone else. Um, anyway, we, we hadn't received arts council funding. <laughs> I was about obviously, to ask whether we, you we, managed to pull that off. I mean, you know, who, who, which comedians get arts council funding? Sure. Right? None that I know. Anyway, um, so we we didn't. Um, you know, so also they they were we would we've been according to all these letters we've been funded by the arts council and the BBC, mm. um, and the BBC. Would nothing if not relatively unsupportive. Um, I mean, we'd, we'd but been it's just in UKIP world. That's where lefty yeah. art comes from. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we we had we'd stepped in for Mitch Ben once on the Now Show, um, but we we didn't do it very well, and they didn't ask us back. So I don't really, you know, and I think that was perfectly reasonable. But I think uh, how how did it? For joking aside, how does it feel to get a death threat? Oh man. Oh, we were. We, I mean, we're being very fun now, but we were. We were. I mean, we we were shitting ourselves. I I, I remember being <laughs> being sat in a cafe the morning that the, obviously the morning that this letter had been sent out because as you say, Paul Nuttall he, he wrote to the government and he wrote to every venue on our tour, uh, which at the time was what twenty twenty five dates, thirty dates, something like that. Every single it venue. Few, it was like seventeen. Matt, like, and he he basically he wrote to all these places, and as Johnny said, like this show must be banned. And then the forums on all of the on all of these websites, sort of like the Manchester Royal Exchange and things like that, people started commenting on the on our show, saying like, "We have to stop this. We're going to come to your show. We're going to kick the shit out of you. We're going to bring placards. We're going to come with our mates. All this sort of thing." And venues started getting I'm gonna in. I'm going to kill you. Then venues started getting in touch with our management, and a couple of them saying, "Oh, we're not so sure about this." Some of them totally the other way, being like, "This is cracking. We're we're going to add more dates because this is going to be brilliant." Okay. And and also, like, <laughs> well, you, you you'll need to make sure they don't kill us on night one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you <laughs> and, like, and, for night two. And and also, it's relatively easy to get hold of Johnny and I's details online. And I and yeah, it was at the time. And I remember my our manager calling me and saying, "Um." Have you um uh have you have you uh have you checked your Google alerts today or your um or your emails and I was like oh no not yet and he went um just don't um <laughs> and uh, he was like it's not it's it's not going to be great and I remember I did obviously and it was horrible I remember ringing you and just being like this is awful I've never had anyone before say they're going to kill me and now lots of people are saying that and uh, you know and and it kind of got a bit out of hand and I remember I remember the you and I there was about twenty four hours where we thought this is it like we're screwed like we are absolutely screwed did you consider pulling the tour. We had conversations about everything we could do. We had conversations about whether we, whether we'd, uh, whether we pull everything, whether we'd apologize, whether we'd go even harder and all this kind of thing. And then we did a gig with Janice Connolly, Barbara Nice, and in she Birmingham. in Birmingham and we arrived looking like death's door 
And she went, oh, boys, what's what's wrong? And we told her everything that had happened. Like, you know, but, but basically in tears, just being like, we, everyone hates us and we're getting all these emails and look at my phone and look at what people are saying about me. And um, she and she just basically patted us both on the back and was just like, you're doing a good thing. Like, don't worry. It's going to be sweet. Just, like, use it. Just have fun. Just, like, stick by your guns and all this. And then, you know, before you knew it, and when we started ignoring it, and then, as we say, tours started adding dates, lots of things started to sell out. We had at one venue, uh, they, so they called us and said, look, we've, we've got some quite serious security threats saying people are going to really just rub the gig and they're going to, you know, come on stage. And so, do you mind if we have, um, some plainclothes police officers in the audience? We were like, no, we don't think we'll need that. And they were like, look, we can only do the show if you agree to this. And we were like, all right then. And uh, they said, don't worry, it'll be really inconspicuous, you know, it'll be totally fine. And then five minutes before the gig, we're in the dressing room and uh, the, the, the front of house comes in and she's just like, do you mind if the, if the plane clothes just go in before everyone else and they'll sort of spread out and no one will know? And we're like, yeah. And these eight dudes who were like six foot eight, absolutely built like brick shit houses. Wearing just blue and white checked shirts. No, all in black. Like they, just like that was their casual wear. So they're just there and they've got mohawks or like they've got like, you know, like vests on and stuff and they just sit down and then the audience and it was a sold out crowd the audience came in and you could just see eight circles where no one was sitting with and then eventually you got people who are coming in late and it's like do you mind moving up and can you sit next to the the enormous man (laughs) well our our crowd is very much a mixture of young very young people you know sort of 15 to 25 who have seen uh, youtube sort of things and and internet sort of based stuff and then uh, we've done lots and lots of Radio 4 mm. and so our pre-touring crowd was very much a mixture of them and grands mm-hmm. and so you, we had basically you've got little nerdy kids who love musical theatre and musical comedy um, and are very left wing and have probably got quite right wing parents and so found this brilliant and um, sort of kind of women in their 50s and 60s and their husbands who are very annoyed to have to come with them yeah. sat around these sort of kind of enormous G4S guys <laughs> was just a, was a joy but they loved it the the the, the the, the big security guys they had a brilliant t- they said we'll come again <laughs> and, uh, and it's we, that niche it's that, that niche. no one's we'll come again. and we were like we really hope you you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like that's and and sit like they, they've come back they brought mates yeah. so like, tell me about the fallout from that what would did that did that or could i mean surely that changed in some way the plan for the next show sure. for the next tour well I think what it, <laughs> did what you do it, the next tour actually you keep aren't that bad guys yeah, that's the thing no we've changed our mind we're actually pro that no um, we, the, well that's the thing I think it was the, the fallout from that tour and having all of that happen I think it was the first time we kind of realised that like we were part of a, of a bigger team yeah I also I mean I I wanted to call the show Stop UKIP because it's like they, they were they were the, the things they were saying were just so unbelievably and the, the changing the language used in the sort of mainstream media into most, it was mostly that. It was sort of the, the way they were changing debate and language to become something uh, that, that in my mind seemed so backward and unpleasant. And I, I, I wanted the show to be really about stopping that. Um, but I also genuinely, and this is terribly naive and embarrassing, I didn't think anyone really i thought people just voted for them for a laugh you know i was really surprised that people are so passionate about it Mm. um because you kind of i mean 
you know, it's, I was, I just always thought it was kind of misguided. I thought it was a bit like the Lib Dems. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't think anyone would really mind. I thought it was the right wing equivalent of the Lib Dems. You know, it's like, well, I'm right wing, but I just don't really love the main right wing. I'll just go for them. They're a bit kooky, aren't they? And then if it ever really matters, I'll vote for the Conservatives. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I think, the moment that all of that started happening and we realised that we did have a voice and you're absolutely I kind of didn't expect it to echo in anything. I didn't expect it to actually shudder anyone or get anyone up on their heckles. And once it did, like, we realised that we had we had friends at our back and we had other political hackles. comics. Uh, the hackles, that's what I meant to say. Thanks, man. Thanks, I really man. wanted to he correct wanted to, him, but I yeah, didn't. Exactly. I oh, you should have. <laughs> um, we realised that we, that we had friends who, like, and other political comics sort of came out of the woodwork and started, like, saying, hey, we should do something together. Like, we They came out of the woodwork... To, like they, they were already doing political. You don't mean. That. Oh no, we not as in, no. We, we didn't, didn't start, start political. We didn't comedy. start. I want to make that really no, clear. As in, they, as in, no. like we are nothing if not very far back in a line of people better than us. But that they they, they they at least wanted us at the table. Yes, that that that's exactly what I mean. So, as political comics, can you effect change? No. So, what's the point? Is it just you? expressing yourself is it make you making yourself feel better no it's um what you you can't i mean and and that's maybe that's but what you can't really do is absolutely turn someone's opinion by doing a show but you can encourage people um right so the thing that that pisses me off the most is the phrase they preach to the choir we get it all the time and i would like to say four things on that subject before and number one is we don't preach to the choir we did a show about ukip and we went to ukip strongholds and we had stuff thrown at us and we had death threats so fuck off number two and much more importantly we did a show about um uh called eat the poor which we only previewed in conservative boroughs. Yeah. Um, we deliberately or deliberately? Deliberately. Yeah. deliberately. We okay. played in Guildford. We played in Ludlow. Uh, Farnham. We, Farnham. Chipping, Chipping Norton. Norton. We played uh, to the constituency of, of David Cameron. We played constituency of, um, uh, what's he called? Uh, Jeremy Hunt. Yeah. Uh, we played in Boris's backyard. We did all of those things on purpose because uh, we don't believe we're going to change people's minds absolutely we might encourage them to consider that within what it is they absolutely believe it's also good to be nice and to be caring we're never going to make somebody who is inherently right wing become lefty like us and i don't want to preach to them and i i don't want to encourage them to change their views but i would like them to consider that maybe there are things that are worth taking on board you know if you are a very committed christian conservative large c you should bear in mind that a lot of what your party does is inherently against the values and principles of the religion that you have you know um you know anyone who's read the bible and i have should be very aware of the fact that jesus is very clearly a socialist i mean just it's just obvious he is a socialist fisherman surrounded by a troop of very well-oiled lovers that's uh, <laughs> that, is, that is quite clear so if you are if you are you know kind of uh, sort of um c of e right wing do bear in mind that that isn't um particularly 
uh, appropriate. However, at the same time, if you are a left winger who is going on and on and on constantly about how mean the right is, do bear in mind that almost all left wing people I know put no effort whatsoever into their community. Um, and they, they, they're very keen on higher tax, but they don't do anything to support the people around them. And they're much less generous with their time, supposedly, um, in sort of giving back to the community. So we really do have a huge amount to learn from each other. And it isn't about trying to go and encourage people to change their mind or suddenly go, do you know what, all this time I should have been a Labour supporter. It's much more about saying, do you know what, the message of all of our shows is, wouldn't it be nice if the world was better? And I want you to think yes, and maybe that to encourage or drift into one tiny thought that you have during that day, or or maybe something slightly larger. Um, but essentially, the job of a political comedian is to talk about the things that are going on and be incredibly entertaining and hopefully make you feel better or more aware of something. But it isn't you, – you, you can't – I don't feel we can change people's minds. Um, and I, I think trying to do that just makes you go mad. Uh, and I hope that doesn't sound too downcast, but it, 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 it is foolish to think that you can go out on a, a comedy tour – and it will have an uh, it will have an impact on um, on how people vote, insofar as it could change people's minds. But it can have a massive impact on on making people um, active. So, um, uh, Josie Long, in her most recent show, um, uh, something better, she finishes by saying, um, "You don't have to be on my team." You don't have to join me, but why don't you try and do something better? Why don't you get out there and be more active in uh, in the world around you? And she gives you a list of uh, really brilliant things that aren't particularly political, but are really positive and useful for the world that are going on in the area of where you you're, you know it was in London, uh, and you can go and join them. And just by doing that, um, you you are sort of essentially becoming you know do something and do it um, and and have a go, and you're going to uh, make the world a better place. That's something you can definitely do as a as a comedian as a performer with your show is encourage someone to want to be better or to uh, to strive harder all those sorts of things and that does inherently mean once you start doing something you will probably become more left-wing because you'll realize that that's right but that will be an uh, that will be a result of you doing something active and not a result of uh, coming to the show so do you when you walk off stage you know sometimes you walk off stage and you go fucking well we smashed that yeah mm. Took the, just roofed it great god that was brilliant i improvised that thing you improvised that thing oh it was great do you sometimes walk off and go, God, we've made those people active? No. <laughs> do you, do you, is, there, is there an equivalent? Is there no, a political because, equivalent where no. you, come, you come off and you go, I articulated that right? Or no, because that- essentially it's the, the, the word political is uh, the adjective. You know, we are comedians. It's, you know, you come off and go, fuck, I smashed that gig. That was great. That was brilliant. And within the context of what you've been doing is hopefully uh, there's been something political and interesting and engaging within that. And, and maybe that will kind of filter down and maybe it won't. I don't really know. But really, it's a comedy show. What you are trying to do is make someone laugh and entertained. And if it's a long show, have 10 minutes where it's a little bit sad. And... But if I was a character comedian, you don't come off and go, oh, I, I really charactered the fuck out of that. Yeah. Oh, they believe I'm a bishop. You come <laughs> off going, I was fucking funny. Thank God for that. And if you're a props comedian, you don't come away going, oh, I'm so glad that everyone now is definitely going to make string hats. <laughs> I just think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the descriptive form of what we do, but it's still just comedy. That's a really good answer. Do you have anything to add to that? No, you know, I think you've, you've summed it up. I was trying to think all the way through that. I was like, what can I add here? No, I, I agree. I actually just agree. And, <laughs> and, and that's, and that's really nice that, that, 
I don't know because yeah, a- activism and comedy are kind of two different things. And yeah, and I think I, I, I think, sorry, sorry, and I enjoy I enjoy when they meet, and I think there are an enormous amount of people. The enormous amount of political comics, you know, in, in inverting that do amazing things in their community or organise events that that cat people like Mark Thomas, who I believe do do make a change and do they they go to they go to protests or they organise rallies or they do you know it, and that's brilliant. But I, Johnny is right. At the end of the day, we'll we'll never you'll never come off stage at a gig and go. Cool, I've shifted the political spectrum for this area. <laughs> You're just going to cough and be like, "Fuck, they liked us." And 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 also a lot of a lot of our comedy is actually it's about being friends. Mm. And uh, our, our and our our whole shows, uh, all the narrative runs through you and I's relationship together. And if you can, t- and normally I think people probably take that more away from our shows. They're like, they're they're really they they love each other. And isn't it great that we have friends? And then if you go out from that and you buy your mate a beer and you're nicer to them, then it's like, that's that's something that I like to think we can affect from coming off on stage. There are two more subjects I'd like to talk about. We know from what you said earlier that Paddy has uh, gained more of a, a, com- a sense of comedy through working with you. I'm interested in how the two of you over the over your performative relationship have affected one another. So other than in terms of you ending up knowing more about music how has working with paddy changed you because it, i i think from from the way you described things at the beginning of this interview you were looking for uh, a minion such that ah, you could be oh your no. guy um not your words i'm putting words in your mouth you, here. you are no i wasn't looking for a minion i think i was just looking i uh yeah the answer to i wasn't looking for a minion i just i I wanted to do something on my own, but I I thought I wanted to do something on my own, and it was very very clear that I I didn't really by my actions. Um, I, I I it's much more fun being with someone, um, you know. Uh, so my my feelings towards Paddy have changed. Um, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not asking about your feelings towards Paddy. I'm talking about your practice as a performer, as someone who was going for a long time before you met Paddy. But I want to talk about my feelings towards Paddy. You can do that. If no, you no, like. no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, the, your feelings towards each other are quite clear at this stage. <laughs> but what I mean is, what I hate him. Performative things. <laughs> now it comes out. We've got, him. We've got them on the ropes, listeners. <laughs> what What has working with Paddy taught you about the way you work? Well, the obvious thing is um i mean musically i'm i'm sort of i'm massively in awe of him um and i don't have it's nice working with someone whose skill set is so much greater than yours um because i think if paddy was slightly better than me at music it would always feel like i could if i worked harder you know sort of uh, whereas it's just very relaxing knowing someone who there being someone who's sort of you know kind of exceptionally gifted at something and and you, you can you can just revel in your own hackery uh, as a, mm. as a musician around that that's certainly how i feel um so i think the biggest impact is that just by being around him for um five years uh some of that ability has rubbed off i now sort of can understand music a bit better and think better musically and hopefully i'm less of a kind of um luddite in terms of that side of the job um but mostly i think the thing about paddy that is i I come back to every time is that he's just uh he's just nice all the way through like there isn't a sort of there's there isn't a shard of and that makes you want to be a better person do you like a warm cake 
<laughs> it's not like a warm cake. Do you feel, Johnny, that you are nice all the way through? I want to feel like that. I like I'd like to think that, but I think or I'm certainly as a like what I definitely am is I'm grumpy and I'm very aware of um I'm ve- I'm, I'm grumpy when I work with people and I think uh, I can be quite snappy with you when we're writing because I. Uh, once I've got once I've got an idea starting to form in my head, if anyone's making any noise, I get very uh, I find, and then suddenly I'm so you I, I, you'll go quiet, and then I'll be like, no, you know, you need to be loud. Um, so I I think you you, you are um, I don't know. I think that the, the main thing I've learned is to try and be calmer and kinder uh, because of Paddy, um, but that includes on stage. Like I think my persona used to be much more kind of. Um, aloof and cynical and now it's much more sort of warm and generous because um, when we're gigging on stage um, if even if it's going incredibly badly it's still kind of fine because you're uh, with each other and you can turn around and see each other and it's fine like if you're bombing like it's quite funny uh, because we're still having a slightly nice time and I think that's the I think with anyone else that wouldn't be the case because I think with anyone else they would have a sort of feeling of um, uh, that you wouldn't be able to share that kind of with anyone else I know. They would sort of start to feel annoyed or angry about that. Where your response to us bombing is, <laughs> "These people are wrong. We must be good. We always have a good time." <laughs> that's really interesting because I think for I didn't know that for a start. That's, that's very kind of you. Um, no, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but from my from my perspective, I guess it's sort of the other thing, like. The thing I learned from you, especially in how I work and how we are on stage, and I'm trying to avoid emotional things and all that here, is like, uh, is confidence. Like, totally. I think before, when I used to gig, um, primarily as a musician, before before we did anything together, I was proper, like, shoegaze, like, like you know, d- didn't like being in front of the audience, didn't really like playing the guitar very loudly, uh, didn't, didn't, like, didn't, <laughs> didn't want to be, guitarist. yeah, I, I kind of wanted to be near the back, you know, like, all this sort of, all this sort of thing. And, I think through merit of we were we off stage at, we'd probably be doing the same thing which is dicking around and playing music together and laughing and being loud and once I realised that I, I got to do that with you on stage like it suddenly was so much less scary it's, it's like you get to be up there with a mate and it's like if you say if the, if the, if the audience aren't enjoying it like I don't, I don't mind anymore like I still want to put on a good show obviously but we're having a good time, so it's oh, it's just it, it's an absolute delight, like being just being being mates. <laughs> Last question, then, because we're getting booted out of the room. We are getting booted out of the room. What would you have, and you can confer on your comedy gravestone? Okay, what would you have engraved on your comedy gravestone? Your final message to the world of comedy: Trust no one. <laughs> <laughs> So that was darker. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going. I'm going to read into that question. My comedy gravestone is. Is it actually my graves? Is it? Is it's it, your. It's the great. Here lies Johnny and the Baptists. Oh, here lies Johnny and the Baptists. Um, it doesn't need to begin like that, but it's. It's the gravestone. Sure. Of, no, no. Of I've got. I'm getting there. Yeah. Oh, you've got something. No, I was just. Uh, that's a very tricky. I think that my. I would. Um, I think I've got one as well. Okay. What about never rude, often incompetent? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why did they have to die? (laughs) 
<laughs> what a lovely pair. What an absolutely lovely pair of treasures. We all went on to have a beautiful gig that night at the Aberystwyth Arts Centre and uh, they're just such a solid, solid bet for a really entertaining night. It's very interesting hearing their their thoughts about uh, political comedy and also about, you know, the difference between doing 20 and 30 minute sets and having your own show. That's obviously something that is very dear to my heart at the moment. Um, I'm spending far more time these days focusing on making my own show, touring my own show, making my own work, finding my own audience all those kind of things um, but those those uh, the lessons learnt on the circuit uh, never leave you I hope <laughs> I mean probably you get a bit ring rusty I can think of one gig recently which was very much a clubby sort of gig I was a little bit rusty and just the, the rust only is, is only visible when odd little things happen in the room that if you were super match fit and doubling every night for the last fortnight you would gloss over and when odd little things happen in the room, like I did a show recently where someone um, someone heckled and I dealt with them nicely, got a couple of rounds of applause out of dealing with them, a couple of big laughs. And then after they were dealt with, the security moved in, which is very kind of security. And how can you expect people to, to judge it as beautifully as, as oneself likes to think one would? But... It was just odd because it was like we've moved on now and now the person gets visibly told off in front of everyone in quite a small room. And I, like my authority was undermined, but I didn't want to undermine the authority of the security person. It's stuff like that. So we're a tiny, tiny little bit rusty there. Um, but uh, I suppose in terms of the, uh, you know, the point of all of this is to do your own show, isn't it? And to have your own tour and to have your own people come and see it to cultivate that audience. I'm so proud and pleased that that is what I'm able to do at the moment. It's very exciting to be to be travelling, hopefully. Hey, man, I've started doing the waffle and, uh, and I, I didn't officially conclude the podcast. Um, I've started just chatting to you about what's on my mind. So if you are listening just for the podcast bit and are, are happy to, uh, to not hear any further chat, uh, then you may now leave us. Thank you. This concludes the podcast. Check out Pod Shambles, uh, which is uh, Paddy's other project. Try and see Johnny and the Baptist. I mean, they've got loads and loads of stuff online, but I mean, the, the live experience is really superb. Um, so try and get to see them soon and uh, support the show at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate and come and see me on tour at forward slash tour with the code Vera to get a, a sweet little cheeky discount. That officially concludes the podcast. <laughs> What I was uh, saying is that yeah, I'm so I'm so pleased, man. I'm so proud. I was saying this in the, the Facebook Live video. Everyone wants to tour. We all want to tour, and um, and we don't all get to. And I feel very very privileged to be in a position now, in however small, however slight a way, where I'm just starting to crack into that thing of going. You guys are out there, right? You must be. You get in touch with me. You enjoy the stuff come and see it in a small room come and see the stand-up show in a small room and then people do people did last year i'm getting really excited now to remember um the i'm saying last year obviously earlier this year uh, to remember the debut tour and just how much fun it was and it just reminded me of that um that thing about imagining yourself profoundly elderly and then wishing yourself music that you remember me telling you about that the motivation technique i did it before the tour show at the birmingham glee which is sort of the beginning of the tour and i've got such a such a, a warm memory of that that pre-gig moment of going yeah just mark this this is what you've you've striven for for a very long time and just take a second before getting caught up in the uh 
the 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 maelstrom, the tornado of oh Jesus, the audience, the show, the you know, make it all the other stuff that's that the drive home, all the other stuff that has to happen. Just to take a moment, I'm so glad I did to take a moment and just stop and go, oh, remember this. This is a thing you wanted, and now you have this thing, and now the world opens up as a, a whole new sort of like um you know when people do that animation where it's based on torn and crumpled paper and you see it zooming around the place it was like that i felt like the world unrolled in front of me like ah the next part of the journey and the, the sound levels might have gone a bit odd on that because i started miming uh, holding my microphone in my hand um so i i'm really glad that i stopped and had that moment and went yes this is this is where i'm supposed to be right now and this is what i wanted I feel very, very lucky to have that. And so that thing I briefly alluded to there was the motivational technique I saw on uh, probably Tumblr or something about uh, imagining yourself profoundly elderly and then visualising that in detail and then sort of hoping and hoping and wishing that you had the chance to be your current at brackets your current age and then you close your eyes and you open your eyes and you are your current age and look at all the look at all the motivation you have i'm sorry i think that bore repeating but i was out doing that in the sort of in the stairwell before the the first tour show last time and um and uh, i really made a note to kind of emotionally go oh let's just drink this moment in so that is starting to to come back now that little frisson of like well you know it's a couple of months till the tour starts but i'm starting to do the uh uh, various bits and bobs of admin. Hey, some of you occasionally get in touch with me and try to interview me for, invite me to, to be interviewed by you for your own blogs and your own things about gaming and cake making and reading and other things as well as, as well as other comedy things. I'm gonna start doing more of those. Um, so if you want to get it, start getting in touch with me, what I, what I've been saying to people recently is I'm gonna do a big PR push in January and February before the tour, but if you want to get in touch now and try and put something in the diary or try to make contact that would be great because it would be really useful for me as well as doing all the more traditional uh, print media and paying facebook a million dollars all of that stuff um it would be uh, it would be really good it's a really good time in my year for me to sort of try and you know talk to people that don't normally hear my voice so if you have particularly i mean comedy is one thing maybe but if you have a blog or a a a vlog if we're still using that word or just a tree stump that you can hammer a cardboard sign to and but if it's about something else if it's about any of the the myriad things that uh, excite me uh, as we know games if you listen to the jackie cation podcast uh, games and board games video games um, I've got to think of other things now. I'm going to sound terribly shallow. Hmm, Russian literature. I've got nothing to say. Um, or children's books. Oh, my God. So my partner said to me, oh, that waffle about children's books, that was a bit... I mean, a couple of people have said that wasn't my finest moment. I was frazzled. I, I can live with that. But since then, loads of you have been in touch and said, yeah, yeah, I've just gone out and bought King Baby and sharing a Sherlock. Isn't it great? So um, children's books, is that a thing? Whatever you're into, the, the thing that you do while you're listening to this, if it has some sort of outward facing thing if you've got like you know if you've got a sort of a serious amount of subscribers i mean i'd be thrilled if you said hey i'm going to start a podcast you can be my first guest but i won't do that <laughs> so uh, if you you know if you're serious about doing a thing and it's up and running and you'd like me to be on it it's a really good time to ask me people do occasionally but i'm just thinking it's uh it's, it would be quite good timing these days so here's a thing finally if you um do you guys travel do you get out? Do you get out much? Do you see places? I often find when I'm travelling somewhere, I become my option paralysis becomes a big problem. 
And I'm just thinking, with a view to the uh, the upcoming amazingly fast whistle stop tour of uh, Japan and environs, um, one of the things I do is I panic when I'm in a new place and I go somewhere. Like I had a day to kill in Montreal when I went to the festival there just a couple of months ago. And I really panicked because I had no specific plan. And then I go, oh, I don't know what to do. I want some time off. I'm away from the baby. Maybe I'll go to the cinema. And then, and then you're in an incredibly beautiful city, sat in the cinema watching Jason Bourne going, well, I'm certainly safe. And that is that is a means of bowing to one's anxiety. Let's, let's hear from you as to how you do places. How do you do travel? If you want to tweet at ComComPod um, or join the Facebook group to, to post on there, or uh, I'll put I'll start a post on Facebook for travel solutions, um, and um, just I, I just say that for tidiness. Otherwise, if everyone posts an individual thing, then it's sort of impossible to, to find anything. Um, but get in touch and let me know how you do it because, like, it, I when I was into running, I was never into running. When I was into running for about a week, I did a gig in Luxembourg, uh, two nights in Luxembourg, wonderful, wonderful shows. And I would go running during the day and I ran all over Luxembourg and sort of checked the place out. That was great. It was a really good way to see a city. Um, maybe I should do that in Japan. I feel like I'd get lost. I don't think I'm there long enough. But is there a, is there a go-to thing you do? Almost like that, um, my fiance a few years ago, she got into, uh, I think she had a book on like psychogeography or something. And it, it was one of those, like, it was like oblique strategies for travel. So it was a bit like the, um, the Dirk Gently holistic, what's it called? Dirk Gently Zen navigation in the book by Douglas Adams. You find someone that looks as if they know where they're going and you follow them something like that have you got any little rules of ways to get the best out of a city particularly when you're not there for very long because i'm really so excited to be going but honestly i think between travel and gigs and everything else i'm gonna have about three hours in each of these cities i've been to singapore before and i have to say the asian the, sorry the museum of asian civilization was absolutely breathtaking it was one of the best things i've ever seen um and i felt like it was like the original batman movie but you know how do you know it's japanese because i bought it in japan that bit it was like being in bruce wayne's colossal hall full of exciting stuff um so uh, uh that's how i you know I've, d- I've done that i've been to the zoo i went to the zoo in singapore and uh, saw pangolins great days anyway if you have a particular way of getting to grips with a foreign city i would really love to hear it because i think uh, a lot of us comics are um uh, frequently sort of parachuted into places and don't have long herbie treehead a dear uh, friend of mine a brilliant brilliant street clown um and clown <laughs> brilliant brilliant clown brackets also street clown um herbie said that he th- you know the thing about being a street performer he said after years of experience of this he says you uh, you think that you're seeing the world but actually what you're doing is going to a city finding the biggest most famous monument putting your back to it putting your case down and doing your show you always do and uh, yeah that really, really resonated with me i would really like to um to have a little, to have a different plan, you know, to go somewhere and go, oh, I've done this one, like, is that a good idea to pick one specific thing? You're going to go, oh, I'm going to go to the such and such fish market, or I'm going to go and stand at a particular crossroads and just see the world go, you know. Um, What I'm saying is, write me a sort of instant travel guide that you can apply to anywhere. That should be fairly easy, right? 
nice one that was Johnny and the Baptists I've been Stu Goldsmith all of the tour details at comedianscomedian.com and uh, we'll be back next week I've got some absolute belters in the can lots to look forward to and uh, yeah if you're in Hong Kong Singapore Tokyo Fukuoka or Osaka please come along and see the show similarly if you're in Bromsgrove I'm going to be there on the 22nd of November the following week I'm going to be at Art Tricks in Bromsgrove just doing uh, 20 minutes at a Barnstormers gig there with I believe Noel James and maybe Jason Patterson so um, you know if you're not in Japan, but you're near Bromsgrove, you can also come and see me. What a, what a rich tapestry of a life I get to lead. What a lucky guy. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon.